we are the monkeys, you know we love to please A manufactured image with no philosophies You probably think of the monkeys as a white bread, cheesy jukebox band And to some degree I guess you're right in the same sense, you'd be right in thinking that about the Beach Boys if your only exposure to them was their ponytail-laced cameos on Full House. But what if I told you the Monkees were the coolest band you've never given a chance? When most people criticize the Monkees, they usually try to point out that they didn't write their own songs or play their own instruments, which was only partially true for a brief period of time. Or they like to bring up the fact that they were prefabricated or manufactured like a prototypical boy band. But why does that necessarily have to be a bad thing? Especially in a time like today when nearly every popular artist follows a similar formula. Sure, the Monkees were technically actors hired to play a band, but they weren't just any four guys. This was fate. They were the right four guys, destined to find each other. Just because they didn't meet on a train like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards or at a show like Lennon and McCartney doesn't make them any less of a band. It's a perspective thing. It's about whether you prefer the journey or the destination. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Sure, they didn't meet in the traditional sense, but if that really stops you from enjoying their music, you need to look inward, reevaluate yourself, and open your mind a bit. If something sounds good, it's good. So what's wrong with picking the best people for the job? The Monkees had some of the best writers, not just of their generation, but of all time writing for them, like Carole King, Harry Nielsen, Neil Diamond. They had the wrecking crew, all the best musicians in town playing for them, just like half the other artists of the era who didn't receive any flack, the Beach Boys, the Mamas and Papas, the Birds, Simon and Garfunkel. They all used the wrecking crew, and it didn't keep any of them out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't get why bringing all these insanely talented people together to make a perfect end product is a problem just because it wasn't actually only the four guys you see on the cover. Do we hate the Rolling Stones because Ian Stewart wasn't an official member due to his giant bulbous head even though he played on nearly all of their albums? No. So why should the Monkees be any different? Especially when you consider the fact that they weren't content with the gold platter they represented. They fought for their independence and the right to play their own songs. I don't know about you, but if someone else was doing all the work and I was making all the money, I don't think my first instinct would be to punch a hole in the wall like Michael Nesmith when presented a check for half a million dollars. But that's how these guys were. They were real artists, and they weren't going to settle for being a fake band. That takes moxie. They risked it all to prove their worth, and you know what? They ended up making some of the best music of their career after they took over. Way better than the stuff from their first two albums. Because like I said before, these weren't just any four guys. They were the monkeys. Nesmith is, in my opinion, one of the top five American songwriters ever. Period. Peter Tork could have been in the wrecking crew himself with the talent he had, mastering nearly every instrument he picked up. Mickey Dolenz has one of the most dynamic voices in the history of pop music. And Davy Jones? Well, Davy was the cute one. They were perfect, firing on all cylinders, a tried and true band. The first album they made as a group, Headquarters, shot all the way up to number one until the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, where they sat behind it at number two for 11 weeks. But did all the critics and naysayers come out and write articles admitting they were wrong and acknowledge what the boys had done? No. And they still don't, really. They even tried to claim that the Monkees would have other musicians playing backstage at their live shows, which obviously was not the case. I understand it's hard to admit when you're wrong, and it's easy to follow trends without thinking for yourself. But just because somebody else says you shouldn't like something, it doesn't mean that that thing is necessarily that bad in reality. 
Take the monkey's movie, Head, for example. Everything I ever heard about it was negative. There's no plot. It doesn't make any sense. They didn't know what they were doing. None of which is true. People went into it expecting a two-hour version of the TV show, something accessible to the masses. What they got was a psychedelic trip that you have to pay close attention to, a piece of art more than a movie. The little details are extremely important. If you go into it with the right mindset and understand this is a film about the monkeys trying to escape their own TV show, you're in for one heck of a ride. Co-written by Jack Nicholson and directed by Bob Rafelson, it's a funny, abstract, visually groundbreaking piece of cinema that's a middle finger pointed straight at the man. People thought this was a kid's movie. Meanwhile, you have footage of someone in Vietnam being shot dead in the streets. The monkeys all making out with the same woman. And trying to commit suicide in the very first scene in order to escape their fate as television characters. This movie goes hard. They even burn the Columbia logo at the end, just in case they didn't lay their ideas on thick enough. But people still didn't get it. This was the thing that should have skyrocketed the monkeys into critical acclaim, and instead it was the thing that killed them. It was a complete box office failure. It was too cool for the school kids and too mainstream for the cool kids. Shortly after, Peter Tork left the group and they never really found their footing again. Their show was cancelled and they went back to the old model of just being hired singers. They figured if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They tried to experiment and it failed. And it's a real shame too. Who knows what would have happened if Head was a smash hit. It's something I often wonder, like, what if Brian Wilson had finished Smile instead of going to bed? We'd all be living in a completely different world. Instead, the monkeys all went their separate ways. Some were more successful than others. Nez is often credited as the inventor of the music video, although that's a little silly considering he appeared in some of the earliest music videos ever made, like The Beatles' A Day in the Life. But that didn't stop him from cashing in and selling the intellectual property to Viacom, who then went on to invent MTV. The other monkeys would reunite in the 80s for a nostalgia tour with their newly grown mullets and a glossy single that was oozing in synth. That's pretty much where their legacy was solidified. Just like the Beach Boys selling out with their ponytails in the Tanner House, this is how the monkeys would be seen by a whole new generation and generations to come. They're an oldies act. They play shows to conservative middle-aged moms who remember hearing Last Train to Clarksville when they were young and happy. To me though, They'll always be the groovy little band that fought for their freedom and made some of the best music of the 60s. They're right up there with the Beatles as far as I'm concerned. And I don't care if that makes me sound like a total square. I'm James Riggs. Thanks for listening. Do you want to make a podcast but don't have any money or nowhere to begin? Try Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. You can record and edit straight from your phone or computer. Plus, we'll distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Music so you don't have to. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Did we mention it's free? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.